passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Jordan Gowing. Beginning of the new year, uh, which can... Um, how many of you have, have done or are doing a New Year's resolution? Any, anyone? Raise your hand. Okay, we got three people. Great. Um, well done. The rest of you are more realistic than, than the three of us, right? No, um, uh, as we often do here at Crosswinds, as we stand at the beginning of, of a new year, um, we just want to take a, a Sunday to talk about uh, the importance of the Bible. Uh, talk about one of our core values is the Bible. Uh, it is the foundation to everything that we do here at Crosswinds. And hopefully it is, incre- with increasing measure, the foundation of, of everything that we do as individuals as well. And um, I'm convinced as we turn the page into, uh, the calendar page into a new year, I'm, I'm convinced that this is more important than ever before. Not that I didn't think it wasn't important beforehand. It's just um, the importance of spending time in God's Word, surrounding ourselves, saturating ourselves with the message of Scripture is just so apparent to me uh, for the health of God's people. And I think that's uh, particularly true after 2020 and and, uh, tumultuous year, tumultuous week for us. And we, in a way that I don't think has ever happened before, we as a people, as a culture, are swamped with a myriad of voices telling us what is right, what is true, how we should live, how we should think, how we should believe, what we should believe. And in Acts chapter 17, Paul is he's traveling throughout Europe. He's bringing the gospel uh, in the region of Greece and Macedonia. And he's going from city to city, and, and he's going into these new com- communities And and he starts in the Jewish synagogues. And he gets to this town called Berea. And and the text tells us that the people of Berea received the gospel with eagerness. They were really excited to hear what Paul was saying about the gospel. And yet, at the exact same time, it says that they also examined the scriptures daily. They examined the scriptures very intentionally to make sure that what Paul was saying was actually grounded in the word of God, that what he was saying was actually true. And the people of God throughout the ages have to follow the example of the church in Berea to be a people who check everything with the word of God. Our denomination, the Evangelical Free Church of America, has a hallmark saying, where stands it written? What that means is when we're talking about something, our most important, our biggest concern is where is it in the Bible? What does the Bible have to say about this topic? We want everything that we do to be rooted in and grounded in the Word of God. And as we stand at the beginning of a new year, we have the opportunity, I think that I honestly think uh, New Year's are a, a, a gift of common grace from God. It's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us in the, the cycle of a calendar to look back on a year and say, okay, I, I have an opportunity for a fresh start. I have an opportunity to look back and, and see, well, how is my health? Spiritual health. How, how is my heart? What, what did I focus on? What did I dwell on? 
What are my habits like over the past year? And then still look forward to the new year and say, okay, well, what, is, what, do, what do I want this next year to look like? And there's a number of directions that we could go this morning as, as we explore this here as, as a church. Uh, we, we could go to John 15. We could look at, at Jesus' words about the importance of the word of God, the words of Christ abiding in us. We could go to Psalm 1, talks about meditating or memorizing God's word. You go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses is talking to the people of Israel and he says that the, the words of scripture are literally a matter of life and death. What I want us to do is I just want us to, to jump to two texts this morning. Uh, one of these texts will give us our charge as we look into the new year. And then the other one will give us our motivation. It'll, it'll be an encouragement, hopefully, for us as we consider what might it look like for me to read the Bible, to hold on to the Bible in a way that I've never done before as we get into the year 2021. The first of those two texts uh, has a special place in my heart, in my wife's heart, because it is uh, the verse that led us to naming our second son Ezra. It's from the book of, of Ezra. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Ezra, he's a rambunctious two-year-old. He loves, oh wait, that's the wrong Ezra. Uh, he loves dinosaurs. He loves saying What's that? Um, no, the, the Ezra that we're going to be looking at, uh, he, he lived about 450 years before Jesus. Uh, the people of Israel, they've been kicked out of the land because of their disobedience, because of their sin, their wickedness. Now they're dwelling in exile. They're living in Babylon. And around the time of, uh, of Ezra, the people of Israel are beginning to be allowed to go back to the land of Judah specifically to Jerusalem. And Ezra is a priest, and he eventually leads a, a group of these people back to Jerusalem. And this is significant, not because it's a change of address, not because it's a really long, difficult journey, but because it is, uh, in a very real sense, it's the restoration of the worship of God. And then we get to Ezra chapter 7, and we see this description of Ezra the priest. It says this, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it. This is really the only description we have of the person Ezra in the Bible. And I think it's the only one that we need. We see that Ezra is a person who sets his heart on the word of God. And then he commits to do it. The rest of, of chapter 7, verse 10, tells us that Ezra commits to teach the word of God. That's his calling in life is to proclaim the word of God. That's significant for many of us. Honestly, that's something that is worth emulating in our lives, to be committed to teaching the word of God. But I also know that teaching isn't, isn't necessarily something that is true of all of us. But all of us can see the first half of Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, and say that's something that I also want to do. Consider just two parts of, these, uh, of this first half of this verse. First, we see Ezra's, Ezra's resolve, and then we see his actions. His resolve, and then his actions. First, his resolve, his heart commitment here in these verses is to turn his attention to the word of God. It tells us that he sets his heart on the word of God, to study the word of God. As you stand at the beginning of a new year, ask yourself, what have I set my heart upon for this year? It's a question all of us have to consider. 
What have I set my heart upon? Even if we decide, ah, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to make that type of decision. We've made a conscious decision to, to set our heart on wherever it is led by our culture. All of us will set our hearts on something. And for Ezra, he sets his heart on the word of God to study it. What is it that you have set your heart upon? What is it that your heart prioritizes what is it that captivates your heart this year? What if this year, all of us committed to be someone like Ezra, to set our hearts to study the word of God? We also see this commitment of Ezra, not just to study the word of God, not just his resolve, but also actions. It says that he doesn't just set his heart to study the law of the Lord. It also says that he he commits to do it. That his life is going to be summed up. His actions are going to be guided by what the words of Scripture say. He's not going to be someone who just spends time studying the Word of God and does nothing with it. To do so would be worthless. It'd be less than worthless. James, writing after Jesus agrees. He says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his, face, his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. When our kids were first learning to talk, we would oftentimes do this. We'd take them into the bathroom, show themselves, themse they'd show, we'd show our kids themselves in the mirror, in the bathroom, and we'd ask, who's that? And they would say, me, or Mara, or, or Ezra, or, or, or si I forgot Silas's name. Silas, <laughs> about said Jordan, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't something that we had to, to train them on each and every time we did this. It wasn't this long process of deduction where they, they had to pull out a piece of paper and say, okay, well, who exactly is this? I, I saw this person before, what, who, who is this in the mirror? They knew instinctively who exactly they were because they'd seen themselves in the mirror before. And to set your heart on the study of the word of God this year is one of the most important things you could do. But only if you couple that commitment with a similar commitment to actually live out the word of God. To actually do the word of God. For Ezra, his commitment is to study the word of God and then also to do the word of God. Necessarily, obedience flows out of his study of God's word. But what does that look like practically? What does that look like practically? I'm sure every single person in this room, we've, we've wrestled with what does exactly it look like for me to read the Bible in an increasing matter? And so what I want us to do is to turn our attention and the rest of our time this morning to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 really uh, talks about how God speaks, how God speaks to all of humanity and then how God specifically speaks in the Bible. And I want us to look at some of the, the motivations, the benefits that David, as he's writing this psalm, says that, that come from studying God's word. In, in Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 through 11. I mentioned Psalm 19 uh, talks about how God reveals himself, how God speaks. It's a fascinating psalm. The first six verses, Psalm 19, one through six, David is talking about how God reveals himself, how God speaks 
through creation. And if you've ever marveled at the night sky, or you've never ever just been in awe of the, the canvas of pinks and purples and oranges and blues as we look out at a sunset or a sunrise, you know what David is talking about here in the first six verses of Psalm chapter 19. Creation cries out the glory of God in a language that all of humanity, all across the globe, can bear witness to. And yet at the exact same time, there's this challenge. Because while creation may speak of the glory of God, as beautiful and as awe-inspiring as it may be, it doesn't tell us the whole story. A few summers ago, Crystal and I, we uh, had our family out in the Black Hills, and we were talking to someone out there, and, and this person, they dis- when they discovered I was a pastor, um, that's always a fun moment when someone discovers you're a pastor, the, re- the, the conversation can just shut down instantly. But as we're talking, and, and it comes to light that I'm a pastor, uh, she, she instantly says, oh, look around at this forest and at these hills. This is where I encounter God. This is my church. And in one sense, I I get exactly what she's saying. I completely understand what she's saying. I would would be lying if I said, I've never experienced this moment when I'm out in creation. I'm standing on top of a a peak or or, or I'm, I'm just looking at the night sky or I'm watching a particularly beautiful sunrise or I'm out on my bike on the county roads outside of time, outside of town during the sunset and I'm just in, in awe. But there's a problem. Because even though creation, specifically the night sky, the the skies, they can point us to God, they don't tell us what God is like. And for that, we need the Bible. And that's what David gets at in the rest of Psalm 19. After speaking about how God reveals himself to all of humanity generally in nature, He takes a few moments to talk about how God reveals himself specifically, how God speaks specifically in the scriptures. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9, David, he he lists an attribute of God's word, and then he, he he reveals this implication of that attribute. And there's six of them that we're going to take a a look at as we jump into this text. If you have a Bible, I invite you to follow along. Um, Psalm 19. We're going to start in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. and keeping them, there is great reward. Amen. Let's jump into this text. Let's consider a, a couple different ways that that David says we have benefits from God's word as we study it. If we set our hearts on the study of the word of God in this coming year, we will see that the word of God revives the soul. The word of God revives the soul. 
Consider again verse 7, the first half. It says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The word of God is perfect. It is without blemish. This means far more than you're not going to find any typos in the Bible or any contradictions in the Bible. It means that God in the Bible says exactly what he wants to say and the exact way that he wants to say it. Let that sink in. That in the Bible, God says exactly what he wants to say. He doesn't leave anything out. It's not like he ran out of paper. And he says it in the exact same way that he wants it to be said. This is what David is referring to when he talks about the fact that the law of the Lord is perfect. There are a number of implications of this statement that the word of God is perfect. But notice what David focuses on. He says that the word of God, therefore, revives the soul. This is important language for two reasons. It says something about the reality of life, and it also says something about the, the importance of God's word. First, the reality of life. The reality of life that all of us have experienced is that life can be difficult. Life is hard. We go through times where we feel like we are close to God, that we are on the mountaintop, and then there are times where we wonder why, what is even the point that it is a struggle for us to even get out of bed in the morning. And by saying that the word of God revives the soul, David is acknowledging that sometimes our souls need reviving. That sometimes I'm not as close to God as I wish that I was. That there is this gap and my soul needs reviving. That sometimes life is just too much for us and that my faith grows cold. That's not just the reality of life, though. This picture gives us a glimpse of the importance of the word of God. David claims, this is an astounding claim if you think about it. He claims that the word of God is able to revive your soul, that your burned out life, it will give, he will give new life to you through his word. He will bring color to a dreary word. God's Word says exactly what God intends for it to say in the exact same way that he wants it to be said, then that means that the Holy Spirit can and does use it to revive weary souls. Now, that's not to say it happens every single time that we open the Bible. One of our kids, their favorite songs um, is a song called Nuggets of Gold. I won't sing it for you, but it talks about how the word of God contains nuggets of gold in it. And I love that picture because a gold miner can go through long stretches of times where they are mining, where they are searching for gold without anything to show for that commitment. But then when they strike gold at long last, it is well worth all of their effort. And the exact same way, when we build, when we cultivate a habit of spending time in God's word, we will not go unrewarded. You can guarantee that, that God guarantees that he will revive your soul when you spend time in his word. Why study the word of God this year? Because it will revive your soul. Another reason Second half of verse 7, the word of God gives wisdom. 
It gives wisdom. The testimonies of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. David says that the word of God is sure. This isn't a statement about its rightness as much as it is uh, about the, the trustworthiness of the Bible. The CSB, the NIV, other translations, they, they nail this, talking about the trustworthiness of the Bible. It's saying that you can stake your life on the word of God. That you will never be put to shame, ultimately, if you put your faith in God's word. It's easy to see how this type of commitment, if we see that the, the word of God is trustworthy, it's easy to see how that will lead to wisdom, isn't it? Because if, if God's word is worth trusting in what it tells you about God, then the more time we spend in it, the more wisdom, the more like God we become. Elsewhere in the Psalms, David, he's pointing this out, Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Why is it that the man who meditates on the word of God day and night considered blessed? Well, the answer is given in the rest of the psalm. We see that there's a result to these two different paths. On the one hand, the person who immerses themselves in the Bible, and on the other hand, we have someone who dwells in the way and surrounds themselves with the wicked. Pick up in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Again, this, this shouldn't really surprise us. This is why we tell students to be careful about who they spend time with, who they become friends with, peer pressure, right? And it's the exact same thing that we see here. We become like those that we surround ourselves with. For the one who surrounds themselves with the wicked, then they become as useless as shaft. But the person who commits themselves to the fully trustworthy word of God, then she becomes more and more and more and more like that God that she is spending time with in the scriptures. Because God's word is trustworthy, she becomes wise. Remember what wisdom is. Wisdom is applying knowledge to a specific context. And honestly, I don't know if there's a, a more important character trait in today's context. We need wisdom to know how to live in an increasingly challenging and complex world. So run to the word of God to get what we sorely need, and that is wisdom. We see a third reason or third benefit of the word of God in verse 8. The word of God produces joy. The word of God produces joy. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. David declares that scripture is right. He's meaning that it is just, that it is upright. In a world that is filled with countless examples of, of injustice, the word of God shows us what true justice actually looks like. And it's important for us to recognize that the justice is more than just the righting of, of wrongs. It's also when the system of life, the life that you are living, just falls into place and it feels Right. When you get that taste of eternity, the sense of, of peace. When, when siblings are, are getting along. When, when you, you look outside and you just, you encounter beauty. When life is going the way that you feel like it should. Not, not necessarily profound 
was simply just a good day. The Bible gives us a glimpse of what that life is like. Gives us a glimpse and says, we'll get snippets of that now, but it'll be fully realized in the day to come. And, And that certainly produces joy doesn't it? Joy can be this feeling of elation, but not always. Sometimes joy is subdued. Sometimes joy is twinged with sorrow. Oftentimes joy is because we have this sense of longing of what is to come. Wouldn't you like to be more joyful this year than you were in the past years? Your circumstances, you can't control them. But you can control if you have a more joy-filled year this year by committing to the word of God. Verse 8 tells us a fourth product of a heart that's set on the study of God's word. The God's, God's word brings enlightenment for us. It brings enlightenment. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I'm convinced that nothing makes greater sense of a very senseless world that we live in than the Word of God. The grand story of the Bible tells us about the beauty that humanity lost in the Garden of Eden, the beauty that we have lost through sin, and the even greater beauty that we will one day attain in the new creation. It provides this beautiful explanation of the brokenness of which we live right now that we see all around us and it provides the best explanation of the longings in my heart for something that's better when all of these things are made right the word of god it brings enlightenment it makes sense of the world in every sense of the word there's a story you've you might have noticed in your bulletin the the words take up and read And there's a story of this guy 1,600 years ago, a man named, uh, well, I'll tell you his name here in a second. He was living in Italy, one of the most brilliant minds of the day. His mother prayed for him constantly that he would become a believer, and yet he had no desire to to follow Jesus. He he loved the pleasures of the world. He didn't want anything to do with God. Um, He was oftentimes a part of parties, drunkenness, and and everything that comes with that. And after chasing multitudes of women for years, he finds himself completely empty. And one day he's sitting in his house, and he's got the windows open, and he hears this little girl singing a song outside his window, saying, tole elege, tole elege. It was a children's song of that day. It means take up and read. And he interpreted that as God saying to him, you need to take up and read the Bible. And so he grabs a Bible that his mom had given to him and he just opens it at random and he opens up to this. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And he was cut to the heart. And he was forever changed. His name, St. Augustine of Hippo, one of the leaders of the church, probably the most important writer the church has ever had outside of the Apostle Paul. You may not realize how much he has influenced your faith, the way that you think of Christianity because of this man. What led, it, what led him to this moment? It was taking up and reading the word of God. He read the word of God. His eyes were opened. It's enlightenment. 
through the word of God. I'll make you a promise. If you commit to read the word of God this year, commit to to take up and read, if you commit to do that wholeheartedly, even if you do it wholeheartedly half the time, so half-heartedly, that's not exactly what I mean to say. Don't do it half-heartedly. Do it wholeheartedly as much as you can. But let's also be realistic, right? We're not going to do it every single day. But if you make that commitment, you will not walk away unchanged. That God brings enlightenment, that he will open our eyes, that he will transform our lives through his word. The word of God brings enlightenment. Verse 9 tells us that the word of God will never fail us. It will never fail us. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. David, he describes this word of God as as clean, and I got to be honest, that that seems a little odd to me. What exactly does he mean by this? Well, the word clean, when it's used in the Old Testament, refers to being ceremonially clean. There are a number of ways that you could become unclean, and, and then you could not worship God fully during those times from eating the wrong food, eating things the wrong way, a number of different things, and properly washing a dish. So what does it mean that David says that the word of God is clean? I think he's stressing the fact that basically anything and everything else in the world can become unclean, but the word of God will not become unclean. It will never go out of style. It will never be tainted. The message of the Bible will endure to the end, and that's the fact what David says in the latter half of this verse, the word of God will endure to the end. Implication of this unending nature of the word of God, it's an incredible reminder that God's word will never fail you. God's word will never fail you. Contrary to the claims that have been made for centuries, the Bible has not and it will not fall out of reverence. Now, how we might apply it to our specific situations, our current context, can and will and has to change. But the way that we understand God's word and his, his revelation of himself in the Bible will never change. It will never go out of style. God doesn't need an issue, a revision of the Bible, an update and say, oh, I need to change a couple things here. God's word will never fail you. If you find, you are, you're never going to find yourself in a situation where you look at, at God's word and say, man, you really let me down there. God's word will never fail you. One final truth of, of this result of setting your heart to study the word of God. It's found in the second half of verse 9. The word of God defines right living. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. What does it mean to be righteous? Well, it means you live your life the right way. And here's just one small example of how God's revelation in the Bible is different and better than his revelation of himself in nature. After this service, go outside Look up at the sky, worship, adore the fact that, you know, you're, you're on a, a planet and there's endless cosmos above you. There's just, you know, not, not all that much air above you that is, is separating you from vacuum. And worship God because of that, but then ask yourself, what does that tell me about what God is like? And I'll give you an answer. It's not going to tell you much. 
You can't learn what God is, is like. You can't, you can't learn, is God angry? If God wants anything from you, if God is still there, if God is, is watching you, you can't learn what he wants from you. You can't learn what he, if he wants a relationship with you, what he has done for you, how, you want to, how he wants you to live, what happens if you don't obey him. None of that is revealed in the heavens. But it is revealed in his word. And this is why scripture is so essential for humanity. Because in the scriptures, we see God reveal himself. Not, not completely. Plenty of questions that we still have about God that go unanswered, even though we have the Bible. But we see enough. He's revealed himself enough that we can confidently say, I know who God is. God is. I know what God is like, I know what God has done, and I know what God wants of me. He wants my heart. And it's here we, we see the marriage of these, these two components that Ezra talks about, right? To study the word of God and to do the word of God. I can't be obedient if I don't know what the Word of God says. In the same way, I'm the very definition of a fool if I read the Bible and then I don't follow through and I ignore it. These two have to be married. They have to be connected in our lives. Hear and do, study and obey. The Word of God is essential to living a life that pleases God. David continues. He talks about the worth of, of God's Word in verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. The worth of God and his, wor and his word is worth more than, than all of the riches of the world, all of the money that you could comprehend. It is sweeter, it is more delightful than the sweetest of delicacies. This is what David is saying here. We would be fools to ignore this gift that God has given to us. Because as good as his message in creation may be, his word is infinitely better. But he doesn't stop there. He also gives us this warning in this promise in verse 11. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Earlier, I, I said something that if we read the Bible and we don't obey it, it's worthless, and then I said it's actually less than worthless. What do I mean by that? Well, it's exactly what David is saying here. If you expose yourself to the word of God, you can consider yourself warned. You can no longer plead ignorance. When you're studying the word of God, you are opening yourselves up to see the way of God, and you are going to respond, whether you realize it or not, you are going to respond. There's, there's no going back. And so the question is, how are you going to respond? Are you going to respond by ignoring it, or are you going to respond by obeying it and receiving this great reward? David gives us this warning, but he also gives us this promise of what it will be like if we commit to studying God's word. And that question is thrust upon each and every one of us this morning, isn't it? How will we respond in the year that is before us? 355-ish days before us in, in 2021. Here's my plea. In 2021, our church would be a people that set our hearts to study the word of God and do it.
to study the word of God and do it. To be like Ezra. And to help us in this endeavor, one of the things that we're going to start tomorrow is we are going to start working our way through the Proverbs together. In your bulletin, if you grabbed one, uh, there's a, a Bible reading plan for five days of reading. If there's not there, I'm, I'm actually thinking I might not have put them out there. So they're going to be out on the welcome desk afterward. You didn't miss them. I screwed that up. My fault. Now to help you in that endeavor, we have a Bible reading plan that will take us through the Proverbs 10 minutes a day. Just 10 minutes. to study God's word. And whether we have read through the Bible for 50 consecutive years or whether we, we might not have even, we, we add up all the verses that we know and, and we've read and we think we might not even get to 50. We'd love for everyone to partake in this, to participate together because we recognize that reading God's word is not just something that we do as individuals. It's also something that we do in community. And we don't care how you read it. You can read it in the Bible app, you can read it on your phone, on your tablet, you can read it in the Bible that has been handed down for generations in your family. You can listen to it in just, just a few seconds on that. If you feel like, man, I wish I could study God's word more, I, I could read more, I wish I was a better reader, and you, you just struggle reading, there's nothing wrong with listening to the Bible on audio. In fact, to do that means that you are just like the majority of Christians throughout world history. The majority of Christians across the globe, that God's word can transform through hearing it. In fact, that's how it was originally given. It was meant to be read aloud for people to hear rather than to read on their own. However you read God's word, do it. I mentioned that it is something that we don't do just on our own, but we also do corporately. And Pastor Kurt and I, on Wednesday mornings at, at 7 a.m., I know that might be early for some of you, it might be too late for others of you, we're going to be reading aloud God's Word on our Facebook page. And we'll be just sharing a couple thoughts, just no longer than 10 minutes. We encourage for you to all join us. In the Bible app, you can actually find a, a link to all of this information and more. Uh, on our website, spencer.crosswinds.tv read. That's where you can find uh, a link to that reading plan because someone didn't put them in the bulletin. It's where you can find uh, a link to our webpage so you can, or to the, the Facebook page so you can follow along um, when those are happening on Wednesday mornings. We'd love for you to join us in reading God's word this year. In 2021, Set your heart to study and do the word of God. To take up and read. And I guarantee if we do that, God will do big things in our midst this year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you transform hearts through it. Help us be a people who are committed to that, to the faithful study of your word, and not just to the study of your word, but to doing it. 
Help us to recognize the incredible gift that we have that you have not just spoken to us in creation, but you have spoken specifically on what you are like. You have revealed yourself to us in your word. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Jordan's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.